minister. Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do tonight, God, we're willing participants. We thank you in advance for every healing, every miracle, every sign, every wonder, every breakthrough. We thank you for lives, minds, hearts restored. We thank you for a touch of heaven. We thank you for your glory. Lord, we love you so much. And we thank you for being our God. We consider it an honor to be your people. Lord, we ask that you just flow through us tonight. Lord, I ask that you anoint my words, anoint my lips, Lord. Let me say what you would have me say. Let me hear what you would have me hear. Lord, I thank you for it, and I give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, man, it is awesome to be in Garland, Texas tonight. I'm uh, just so honored to be here. We appreciate so much, Pastor Scott, inviting us in and letting us have this time with you. And uh, we're in, we call this our busy season. You know, we're busy. We're out preaching 48, 52 weeks a year. So, it, you know, we're into it. We're, we've been five years uh, just evangelizing now. So we've got a pretty good pattern. So anywhere from, again, 48 to 52 weeks a year, we're out ministering. Uh, sometimes we're out Christmas weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, just however the Lord opens up doors. We go when the Lord tells us to go. But uh, we, we always consider it an honor to be here in this house. And we appreciate the, you as a people. We uh, Appreciate Pastor Scott and Sandy so much. Aren't they a precious gift from heaven? Amen. Can you just put your hands together and thank the Lord for the pastors of this house? The, amen. And uh, uh, tonight, uh, if you'll turn with me to the book of St. John, chapter 2, I'm going uh, to start reading just a little bit. I got, I got three pages of notes tonight. I am not a note preacher, but I have a lot that I want to say. And what's bad is, Pastor Scott, on the way here, I was thinking about the service still again. I told my wife, I said, can you flip those notes over and write a couple things down on the back that I, that I forgot to mention? <laughs> so I'm not going to preach three pages of notes tonight, but I'm going to give you the heart of what God's uh, given me to share with you tonight. And uh, back in, it was back in April, most of you know we just moved into, a, uh, we moved into a, uh, our new home. Uh, we've been believing for a home. When we left Iowa, we sowed a house, not sold, sowed. So we, uh, we gave away a home, believing uh, that God would just take care of us. Now, there's, there's a lot entailed in what I just said, that I can't go into all the details of it just right now. But, uh, but in the heart of it, we sowed the biggest seed of our life, believing for the biggest harvest of our life. And, and so we had been living for the past three and a half years, we've been living in a rent house. We haven't rented a house in over 20 years. So we didn't even know how to, it had been a while, we didn't even know how to go about renting a house again, so we came into the community and, and found a, just a nice little house, and, and, and it was a good house, we loved the house, it was good to us. We had a great landlord, I mean the people that we rented from was just phenomenal, but, uh, but it wasn't our home. So in February, we bought, this, um, uh, we bought this little house, and oh, seven plus acres, not quite, seven and a half acres, but almost seven and a half acres, and so from then till now, man, it's been an exciting adventure, we've, uh, uh, it's been quite an undertaking, so, uh, oh, I don't know what it was, maybe six months ago, God gave us the name for our property, we call it Baker's Acres, 
So uh, uh, we have been overwhelmed with sheep and pigs and puppies, and we have we have labs and we have uh, sheep dogs and we have uh, oh you, you don't even want to know you know the other day I looked out there at the field and we had such Karen we had five dogs out in the field, and I asked my wife I said how in the world did we become those people? <laughs> when did we become the people who had five dogs? You know, um, they're not in the house they're just they were out in the field. And then every now and then a random neighbor dog will show up too. And so then we have six or eight, but we always, we always call somebody to come get them, but call the neighbor. But, but, it, but anyway, in April, uh, I was, I'd been invited to go to, um, what, what, I'm trying to think of the name of the little town I was in, in Kansas, uh, Coffeyville, Kansas. And I had, uh, I, I just, just for a Sunday and, uh, I may have even shared this portion of the, the, the story when I was with you the last time because it was very impacting. We had a young man who came in, and uh, I didn't know his story. He just kind of came up to me, started talking to me, and introduced himself. And just to be honest with you, I didn't really care for the guy. You know, he carried himself. He, it was real, oh, I don't know, just real assertive and loud and just, you know, just kind of all over the place. And... But, uh, but I saw his heart, and I loved his heart, and I loved him, but he wasn't, you know, he just wasn't, I don't know how to say it, you know, he just wasn't my cup of tea, you know? And so uh, at the end of the service, I started praying for people, and guess what? God has me go right to this guy. So I walk over to him, and I start ministering to him in the, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He had never been in a service like that before. So he'd never been ministered to, he'd never fallen out in the Spirit, you know, none of those things, and... So this young man standing there, and I, I don't remember all of the word, okay? But I remember the highlights. But I, I remember sharing with him that, uh, he, had, uh, that he had a connection to, the, to prison and that God was going to use him in the prison system and that five years ago there was an event that took place in his life and this event almost destroyed him. And during that time there was a seed of bitterness went into his life like a cancer and that, but God was going to heal him, and God was going to deliver him. And so, it, you know, if you've ever been in a moment like that, this young man who had never experienced anything like this ever in his life just stood there in awe, having no idea how we knew what we were sharing. And so, of course, I just expressed to him that Jesus loves him so much, and he kept looking at the people that brought him. And uh, so after the service, he comes up to me. His name's Eric. He comes walking up to me. He said, Brother Benny, have you ever met me before? And I said, no, you know, I, just not before, you know, outside. And he says, well, how did you know that stuff? And I said, well, you know, Holy Spirit talked to me, and he loves you so much that he shared some things with me about you. And he looked at the people that brought him to church that day. And he said, did you call him ahead of time and tell him anything? He says, did you talk to them about me? And of course, you know, we're laughing at this point. It's almost comical because it's just not computing what just happened. And he said, Brother Benny, he says, uh, five years ago, I went into prison. And uh, while I was in prison, my whole family was killed in a car accident. He said, and in that moment, he said, I got bitter. He said, and they diagnosed me with cancer. It's just unbelievable the details that were in this word. And so, and he said, but, he says, uh, you know, I came today with an expectation uh, that God was going to touch me. And he just shared all this stuff with me. And, and so, man, I just prayed with him again, hugged his neck. And I honestly never thought I would see this young man again. 
Pastor Scott, in the, the, the last weekend of June, I was on my way to Oklahoma City. Now, I don't know the difference in mileage from where I was to Coffeyville, Kansas, but we're talking hundreds of miles. I'm on my way down 40, and Reagan is with me, my, our, our youngest, our daughter's with me. And I thought, well, I'm going to pull over and get a cup of coffee. We didn't need gas. We didn't need anything. We just grabbed a cup of coffee, pulled into some random gas station that had a McDonald's connected to it. I have no idea what city we were in. I, no idea to the, I could not go back to the spot. But I pull in, and I go up there, and I get my coffee, and I'm walking back through, and I hear this guy yell, Hey, you a preacher? Now, I know somebody's like, well, you know, yeah, yeah, man, you know, you're a preacher. You know, wave your hand. Uh, see, I, you know, we've encountered some crazy stuff. So I wasn't, you know, woo, yes, that's me. I turned around and I looked at the guy and I was like, do I know you? And then he looks at me and he wrote, got real personal. He said, are you Benny Baker? Now, you know, I said, no, I'm Scott Boyd. <laughs> Because uh, I know, you know, maybe I said something wrong somewhere that he, I didn't say that. But, uh, but uh, I said, uh, do I know you? And he takes off his hat, and it's Eric. It's that guy I ministered to in Coffeyville, Kansas. And he looks at me, and he says, you remember me? And I said, man, I said, yeah. So what are you doing here? All of a sudden, his eyes swell up with tears. He looks at me, he says, man, I bought a, I got a little place just down the road. He said, I'm off the drugs, I'm clean. He said, I'm in church. He says, the doctor's given me a clean bill of health, I'm back to work. And he said, God's just moving big in my life. And I am standing there in this whole time, that, I mean, there are a million thoughts going through my head. God, why am I meeting this young man right now? I appreciate the, the testimony. Thank you for sharing with me the, that God did something in this young man. I appreciate that. There's got to be a reason. So God, I need to give him money. So I thought, you know, maybe I need to give him some money. And then I thought, maybe I need to take him to Oklahoma City with me. Maybe he's supposed to go with me tonight. And then I thought, you know, maybe he's supposed to come and live with us, you know. And my wife's like, no, that's not God, you know. And uh, so all this stuff's going through my head, and I don't feel a witness on anything. I love Donnie, and, and just good to see you. We exchanged uh, uh, greetings and, and prayed, and we got in the car and headed to Oklahoma City. The whole time my mind is full of, um, I, you know, just God. That's all I, it's just my, my head, my mind, all my thoughts are just being consumed by this moment. So about a half an hour later, the Lord starts talking to me. He says, Benny, do you want to know why you ran into Eric? And I said, Lord, I said, I would love to know why I ran into this, this young man. And he said, son, I want you to know you're at the right place at the right time. Because of all the places in America I could have been that day, I happened to stop at the right place at the right time. And so that's been really important to me this year. I've been preaching a lot, talking a lot about being at the right place at the right time. And, you know, there is, uh, there is always the right message for the right time. There is always the right word for the right time. Many times I've been to churches, and when we've left, the pastors have come to me and asked me, how did you know what I was going through? We, we went to a church here not long ago, uh, an unbelievable story. The pastor had gone through a divorce, and 
uh, half the church had left and walked out on him, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't because he'd had an affair or anything like that. He went through a hard time. And uh, uh, j- just through a series of events, but God revealed it to me, and I was able to preach to the church, them not knowing me, me not knowing them, and just sharing the love of Jesus with, with them and allowing healing to come. So it's so important to have the right message for the right time. And so tonight I want to preach to you a little bit from St. John chapter 2, verse, I'm going to start reading verse 1, and uh, tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, uh, miraculous encounters, and I want to talk to you about supernatural provision. Who, ha- who under the sound of my voice, have you ever experienced supernatural provision? Yeah, you know, I, I, say, I see hands up everywhere. Man, I have. You know, uh, it's how I live. This is, this is, this is my career. Um, since uh, from, I've been in ministry since I was 19 years old. Since I was 20 years old, I've been full-time in ministry. This is my career. It's the only career I've ever had. Uh, you know, I, it, it's not that I have a degree from Bible college. I do. But it's not because uh, I've spent thousands of hours in study of God's Word because I have. It's not because uh, I've submitted to a pastor and, and uh, uh, gotten his blessing. I've done those things. But it's because it's what God's put on my heart and put on my, is, is what I'm called to do. It's not even something, I want to do this. This is the greatest job on the planet. But at the same time, it's not even that I want to do it. I'm compelled to do it. And I want to, if you understand what I'm saying, you know, I want to do it, but I'm so compelled to do it that it overcomes even the want. And it's almost like breathing or tying your shoe. This is, this is what I love. It's, it's so much a part of who I am. Uh, I wouldn't know, uh, wouldn't know how, to, how to live without doing what I do. And in the midst of all of that, since I was 20 years old, this is how we have lived supernaturally. Now, through the years, my wife has done some side things, and uh, I've never worked a full-time job or anything, but I've done some little side jobs or things like that. I'm certainly at a place in my ministry where I don't have time for that. There's no way. There's no way with my schedule. Uh, there's just no way to do that. So, so what I've learned is no matter what, we have to trust God for everything. So I just, the other day, I had this lady come to me, and it's comical because you just, you just never know. This lady comes to me and says, Brother Benny, will you come to our church? And um, I, said, uh, I said, yeah, you know, I, I would love to come. You know, I appreciate the invitation. Tell me about your church. And she said, well, this Sunday, I was preaching on Pentecost to four Baptist people. Would you still come? <laughs> And I said, I said, how many people, you know, you got four people at your church? And she said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, I would love to come. You know, and so I, I say that because I'm just going to be honest. When I go, and uh, things have to work out, you know, the, the, I'll get the invitation and we'll confirm it. You know, those kinds of things, that's what we're working on. But when I go, I'm going to go into a hard place. We're going to go into a place tonight, we come in here and there's faith. And there's people who understand what I'm talking about. And you have some, there's, there's relevance to what I'm saying to most of you or all of you. And, and, uh, but going to a place like that's a very difficult place. There's not going to be the spirit of generosity. There's not going to be the love. In fact, I'll probably be fighting devils going in and coming out. I recognize that. But it's a call that we have answered. And so because of the generosity of people in my life, and we're able to do those things. Um, I look around and I see all that this church is able to do around the country, around the world. And I think it's because of the generosity of the saints. 
because God put it in somebody's heart somewhere to say, we need to do this for the kingdom. How many of you know everything that comes up, every idea that we have that we want to do is not necessarily a great idea? Wouldn't it be great? Pastor, wouldn't it be great to find about 15 hungry young people? I mean, and just, just uh, you know, uh, split this room in half, put a dorm over here and a dorm over here, boy side, girl side, have a shower over here, and bring people in and teach them to pray and seek God. And 24-7 spend time with them and pouring into them. Wouldn't that just be awesome? And have them going out in the city. But just because it's a good idea means it's the right idea. Not necessarily what we should do. It'd take a lot to split the building off. Then where would we have church? And, and so just because we have a good idea, it doesn't mean we should just go gung-ho and do everything that comes into our head, even though it might be scriptural or it might be right. We've got to have provision for the vision, right? And so if God gives you a vision, if God gives you something to do, then he will surely give you the finances necessary to do what he has called you to do, right? And so tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And what I would like to do is I would like to share with you some things in my life that God has done for me where God has just supernaturally supplied for us. I mean, when I tell you some of the things I'm going to share with you tonight, I'm going to kind of go deep into the, uh, to the um, oh, I don't know what the right word is. We're going to go deep into our ministry and we're going to go deep into the spirit realm where God has just done some things that you would have to step back and say only God could have done that. And, and so uh, when I was thinking and praying about that, uh, the Lord took me to St. John chapter 2, verse 1, to Jesus' very first miracle. And so it says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Very important that John points out Jesus' mom was there. Now, you know, uh, there's a lot of reasons that somebody would say that she was pointed out. We know she plays a large role in Jesus becoming who he was called to be. Because Mary was one of the first people to know that Jesus was coming. Uh, in fact, if you think about it, in the birthing process, she was the first person who was made totally aware that the Messiah had been born. That's a pretty awesome responsibility, right? And I know you might say, but she was his mom and, and all those kinds of things. you got to understand, when we start dealing with the supernatural, there is always an element of the flesh that we're dealing with. Always. Jesus, 33 years, lived on this earth. 30 years he lived as a man. 30 years he lived as a man that walked amongst the world. And uh, uh, again, the full calling of the Lord of all was on his life the whole time, right? And though miraculous things had happened around him, it wasn't until he was 30 years old, stepped into that ministry and began to walk in the fullness of what God had called him to do the last three years of his life. That's a pretty awesome undertaking to have your life kept at bay for 30 years and then the last three years years of your life, that's when you step into the fullness of what God has you to do, and then after those three years are done, then you're taken into eternity, but Jesus wasn't just taken into eternity, Jesus laid down his life, he gave it up for you and for me, and he transitioned into glory, he fulfilled his destiny by dying for mankind, and even though it looked like that his ministry was over in all actuality, really what Jesus was called to do only just began. And so Mary, the mother of, mother of Jesus, was there. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Now, what, what I want to point out is, first of all, it says they wanted wine, right? It doesn't say they needed wine. There wasn't a ceremony that they had to fulfill to be holy. 
There wasn't anything that they had to fulfill to, to be godly or, or anything like that. They wanted wine. It says, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus came to him and said, they have no wine. They had simply ran out. And Jesus said, woman, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour has not yet come. This is an awesome moment, I believe, in the scriptures. Because we have Jesus, who is God, knowing all, all men, all God, all at the same time. But there was someone around him that saw his destiny and saw his potential who would assume just at this moment right here even more than he himself did. We have got to have people around us that believe in our ministry. They believe in our call. They stand up with us. And when we aren't at a place where we can step up and say, you know, I think I can do this, they need to look at us and say, it's time for you to step up and be who God has called you to be. It's time for you to step up and be everything Jesus has called you to be, everything the Father has called you to be. And Mary, the mother of Jesus who was there, looked at Jesus and said, they have no wine. Now, I don't know if there was any other moments. I don't know if they were having Thanksgiving dinner and they were passing the last turkey leg and Mary looked at Jesus and said, we have no more turkey. I don't know that that happened. I don't know if it was Christmas Day and they had plum pudding and they passed along because, you know, they were celebrating Jesus' birthday. And they passed the plum pudding, and the last spoon went out, and Mary looked at Jesus and said, Lord, Jesus, there is no more plum pudding, right? I don't think any of that happened. They were in a moment. They were in a supernatural moment, and I believe at that moment, Mary stepped into the anointing God had called her to, was to mother, was to lead and to guide and to nurture, and said, son, they have no wine. And Jesus said, mom, it's not yet my time. Uh, what should I do? And she just simply looks at those that are around him and says whatever he says to do that's what I want you to do and I don't know if at that moment there was an explosion that took place in the spirit realm I don't know if everybody around Jesus got goosebumps if they all fell out I have no idea but at that moment something triggered in Jesus' spirit and there must have been something inside of him that said I'm going to honor the prayers of my mama or there was something inside of him that my mama sees something I don't see or, I, or, or, or the father is obviously using my mother to communicate with me I don't know what transition there but in that moment, something clicked in Jesus' spirit. And Jesus started looking around for something that he could use for the miraculous. Right now in your life, I believe God is looking for something that he can use for the miraculous. Some of the greatest miracles I've seen have not happened in the pulpit. They've happened outside the house of God. They've happened on the streets. They, uh, I, I was reminded, and, and uh, when you guys were talking about soul winning, you know, we, 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 we won so many people. We, would, we could really do well winning souls on the streets from uh, April until maybe the last of September, but then bad weather would come in. Even if it wasn't snowing, it would rain in October. October's in the Midwest, you know, in our area, we're, we're almost brutal. Many times we would get snow and, and things before the end of October. And so what we would do, we would try to do internal things or encourage people to... Now, they threw us out of Walmart more than once. <laughs> you know, so we didn't have a lot of favor at Walmart, you know, because we go in there so with it. I mean, kind of funny, you know, for years I prophesied, you know, you're going to get stuck between the tube socks and the boxer shorts and God's going to use you to minister to somebody. Or, man, for years, we've seen it. <laughs> 
We've seen somebody stuck between the, the, the lima beans and the cream corn one day, and they were praying with them there in Walmart, and God healed them right there in Walmart, you know. Um, so uh, Walmart just started throwing us out, you know. <laughs> so, you know, we, we did malls, and we did whatever we could on the inside, but it just wasn't as productive of going out into the street. So, I mean, again, we utilized what we could. But, man, during the summertime, we capitalized on it. So one day, my wife and I were walking down the road in this um, Young lady's out in front of her house, and I walked up. I said, hey, I said, how you doing? And, and uh, I said, can I just talk to you for a moment? Uh, you know, I'd just love to share Jesus with you. And she looks at me like, Pastor Scott, you can tell by their countenance, you know. She looks at me and she goes, I'm a believer. <laughs> like, that's awesome, <laughs> you know. And uh, I said, uh, that's awesome. I said, you know, and so we, we just ministered to her. We took it a step further, you know, how's your relationship with the Lord? She was unreceptive, completely unreceptive. And I said, well, sis, I said, uh, Julie, I just want you to know that uh, God loves you. And if nothing else clicks with you today, know that he sent us by here to share his love with you and that today you are on his mind. And uh, we invited her to church and, and things, and, and uh, that was it. She very quickly grabbed her children, ran in the house, and shut the door. And so we thought, wow, you know, that was unproductive, right? And uh, so uh, it was actually a pretty hard day. We went to the campus that day to win, win people to the Lord, and we had a team, and it was, it was really a hard day. Yeah, it was, it was, it was brutal, man, you know. Um, it just, just, just a rough day. So I walked away from that day thinking, God, you know, why did you send us up here today? This is nuts. You know, and so uh, we had another part of town we would go to that was really fruitful. So I'm like, you know, let's go there. But God sends me to the hard places sometimes, you know. So a week later, my wife and I were walking down the street. And it was about this time of the year. And this big, big white Dodge truck goes flying by us. And uh, all of a sudden, I mean, it slams and slams on its brakes, spins into this driveway not far ahead of us. And this lady jumps out and starts screaming, Pastor Benny! <laughs> Once again, you know, I don't know if I should respond, you know, because, I mean, you know, I joke about this, but we've had some people not like what I've said, and they've been pretty vocal about it. Right. And so I just don't know, you know. And so um, I waved. I said, do you know her? And my wife's like, I have no idea who that is. You know? <laughs> and she takes off running to us. And as she gets closer, it's Julie, the lady from the week before. She comes running up to me, and she's, she's weeping. And she said, Brother Benny, I, I owe you an apology. I lied to you. And I said, you lied to me. And she says, yeah. She says, I told you I went to church. I hadn't been to church in years. In fact, I uh, was just complaining to God before you came up. And said, Lord, you don't care about us. You don't know anything about us anymore, and you are uninterested. And, Lord, I don't even believe you love us anymore. And, then, and she's just, at this point, she's just weeping profusely. And she said, Brother Benny, then you came along and said, God sent you by just to let us know how much he loved us. She said, I went in the house, and she said, I was mad because you came by. I was mad at God. And then what you said, it was so encouraging, but still it made me mad. And she said, but I got on my face in my living room with my kids, and every one of us rededicated our lives to Christ. And want you to know that tomorrow we're going to be in church. What time does it start? And, uh, man, you know, man, I, I believe in the power of destiny. We were at the right place at the right time. 
I mean, for us to walk up as a, as a young lady would say, God, you don't even care about us anymore, and you don't even love me, and to share that word at that right time. Man, it was just awesome, you know. And so here Jesus was. He's at the right place at the right time. And the Bible says that there were six water pots that had been sitting along. They had a firkin apiece. Now, I have done the math on this. Uh, tonight, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, the, it says that Jesus saved the good wine until now. Some translations that'll say that he saved the best for now. So uh, I'm, I'm not a wine connoisseur. I never have been. I've never, never been drunk or high a day in my life. So I don't know anything about these kinds of things, but I did some research. And Pastor, I've seen where the most expensive bottle of wine right now is like a $230,000 bottle of wine. Now, I forget the numbers, but there are multiplied bottles of wine that will fit in one water pot. And Jesus put that many, much wine in each, each, each water pot. So this turned into a multiplied million-dollar miracle, tens of million, millions of dollars. This was a miracle of excess. It was not that they needed all of these pots of wine. It was a miracle of excess. They just wanted it. If I were to come to you today and say, do you have a need? Every one of us in this room right now in front of us, you have a need. Maybe right now you don't, you don't need this, but you're going to need your light bill paid by the end of the month, right? You're going to need your car payment, your insurance. Whatever it is, you have a need. But this was not a need. The Bible says that God will meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Your needs are covered for the rest of your life. There is never a moment that you'll step back and say, I have need of something and God can't take care of it because our God is absolutely a more than enough God. But Jesus didn't deal with the need. Jesus' first miracle is a miracle of excess. Now, that, now listen, we, we, uh, what I'm about to share with you, we need to keep this in the balance because uh, I, believe in, I believe in being blessed in the kingdom of God. Uh, we walk in blessing. I preach blessing. But I, I think sometimes this is a message that will get way out of balance. So let me talk to you. Uh, being blessed in the kingdom of God is not just buying big houses and having nice cars. And I've seen it portrayed that way. That's, that's not God's plan. I believe with everything in me, God wants every one of us as believers out of debt. Absolutely no debt at all. I think God wants us, and the Bible says that the... That the uh, you have to help me with the terminology. The lender is servant. The borrower is servant to the lender, right? God don't want us to be in bondage to anybody ever. He wants us to be a bondsman to him. Uh, the Bible tells us to owe no man. I mean, we can go through the scriptures all the time, but we've made it uh, culturally acceptable just to go in debt. And in today's society, well, I mean, we've got politicians that will stand up and say, we don't care how much you are in debt. You can get all the debt you want, and someday we'll just forgive it. This is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous way of thinking. God doesn't want you to acquire as much debt as possible and just think someday this will all work out. He wants you to be a good steward every day of your finances. But this is very important. But God wants to bless you with enough money to take care of your family and so that you can live a debt-free lifestyle. Right. We've not been taught 
in this culture to live a debt-free lifestyle. So let me talk to you about where this message comes from in my life. We, we, I was born into a poor family. I was raised by a single mom. My wife's testimony is very sim similar, uh, except she grew up with a mom and dad in the house, but her testimony was her dad was very sick and unable to work, and her mom was, uh, she had her problems as well. But my testimony is, I mean, we had nothing growing up. We lived in public housing. We drove terrible cars, you know. My mom, you know, I mean, I would miss the school bus, and my mom would be like, well, you know, I'll drive you to school. And I'm like, that's okay. I'll walk. Because <laughs> we didn't have cars. We had boats. You know, if, our, if we had a car that fell under the 12-foot-long mark, my mom didn't buy it. You know, if it didn't come with oars and a life jacket, she just left it at the lot. You know, and they all, none, of them, none of them ran. None of them had exhausts on them. They were always loud, and they smoked. And, I mean, it was just, it was chaos all the time. That was the world that we lived in. And it became normal to me. And, so, and, and then when I received a call to ministry, I was told in ministry, in order to be holy, we had to be poor. And how many of you know poor is not holy? That's not what makes a person holy. I will give it all up for the Lord. If I had to live in a cardboard box under a bridge to preach the gospel, I would do it. But I don't believe that's what we have to do to be pleasing to the Lord. I think we are far more pleasing to God when we are generous to others around us, when we can be generous to Pastor Scott, when we can be generous to the people on the street. When we live a lifestyle where we are out of debt, we can pay cash for our cars, and we we can do whatever we want to do and be a blessing to the world around us. That's when our father looks at us and says, look how much my children have allowed me to work with them and through them. That's what I think God looks at and is pleased with. But we flipped that around. We've Many in the church have said, well, you know, uh, you, you, you can't have anything and, and, and be blessed and be pleasing to God. That's just silly. It's just silly. You know, we look throughout the Bible, we see people like Abraham was blessed exceedingly above and beyond. Isaac, who the Bible said he was very, very rich. Very rich. We have Solomon, who is still to this day, they find artifacts that came from Solomon. His kingdom was one of the most prosperous kingdoms on this planet. And so, so somebody will say, but how can I as a believer walk in, in the blessings of God. Now again, blessings is not new cars and big houses and nothing wrong with those things. But what I'm saying is, is that's how we measure success in life. I believe that we measure success in life and how much we can be a blessing to others around us. See, I have this crazy vision that I can go into churches, I can walk in so much blessing that I can come in and say, Pastor Scott, what's the project right now? And he could look at me and say, we're believing for a, a building and show me, show me what you're believing for. And I can look at you and write a check and say, here it is, go build it. That's what I'm believing God for. Now, somebody will say, that's just crazy, Brother Benny. You know, people don't do that. Yes, they do. They do. I have a friend right now who does that. Who does that? Uh, I, I've watched as God has used him to bless the kingdom of God with millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he don't take a dime of it. 
They don't give him anything. And if they do, he gives it right back to him just so he can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. That's the desire of my heart. I want to be so blessed that I can be a blessing to the kingdom of God and I can go to hard places like this church that just invited me that has a hurting pastor and four ex-Baptists who know nothing about the power of God. And I can invest whatever time necessary into teaching them about the power of Pentecost, teach them about the super supernatural teach them about healing and miracles and revival wouldn't that be something if I call Pastor Scott and say Pastor Scott man my years completely booked up remember that little Baptist church we had revival breakout and we're still going wouldn't that be something well what holds us back from those kinds of things and it finances man Sister Karen wouldn't it be awesome for us to take a, a team of nurses and doctors into places around this world that are in need. Honestly, right here in America, places that need it, and go in and not charge them a dime. And go in and just let's be a blessing to them. Okay, let's say we could, we could get the doctors to volunteer all the time and the nurses to volunteer all that time. Doesn't it still take money to get them to the spot? Doesn't it take money to put up structures, even if it's just a tent? Doesn't it take finances? But see, we need to be a people who we look at our lives and we begin to cry out, God, I want to be the people that does that. I want to be the people that can help do that for the kingdom of God. And you can be. There's nothing holding you back. And I look at you guys starting your family. And I swear you dropped while you were standing up here. I think that baby just whoop. I told my wife, I said, please don't have that baby during my message. I've worked way too hard on that message for you to have that baby. No, just <laughs> and uh, um, I don't even know where I was, but that was funny. <laughs> I look at you guys and I think the benefit that you have, to have, uh, to have the pastor that you have, the leadership that you have, and the impartations that are coming to your life and the great benefits, the kingdom of God that will come into you and what you're being challenged to believe for. I look around this room and I think of the great benefits that you all have because you're learning to believe for stuff right now. I, I grew up in Pentecost. I don't know when I started learning to believe for things. I really don't. I mean, I, I, I even think uh, early in my ministry, we were, we were living from week to week. We literally had to believe for enough money to have food to eat on the, that week. I can tell you stories if you've ever read my wife's book. She's got a a book entitled Miracles at Our Door. People would come to our door with diapers and bags of food. and It was supernatural provision. God was just taking care of us. And he did it because he loved us. So, so this is some of the things I wanted to share with you in our early ministry. We had a lady show up. She knocked at our door and we were out of food. We didn't have anything. This lady shows up at our door. and Now her name's Sandy. Sandy is about this tall. And then she has these two boys that are this tall. They're a head taller than me. And so they show up at our door with these bags of groceries. And, and I'm serious. We were out of groceries. We were believing God for food. And she comes in and she said, Brother Benny, the Lord spoke to me and said, if, if you don't eat, I can't eat. And if you eat, then I can eat. And so she brought in these bags of groceries. And she said, so I went to the grocery store. And everything I bought, I bought double. If I bought a loaded for bread, I brought two, one for you, one for us. 
I bought hamburger. If I bought a pound, I bought two pounds, one for you, one for us. If we bought steak and we ate steak, I bought steak for you, you ate steak. Whatever, they, they, they doubled everything. And I look at this little lady. I know Sandy. She don't have the money to do that. I have no idea, no idea how she's doing this. I mean, this, this and she, uh, I said, Sandy, I said, I, I appreciate that so much, but how are you paying for that? And she looked at those two boys, and she said they both went out and got jobs so that they can help make sure that you're taken care of. Man, that was a humbling moment for me. Now, here we are. We're a young family just starting out, and we got these people that show up at our door who we know but we don't really know, you know, who said we went out and got jobs to help make sure you could get out there and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God was showing up saying, son, daughter, no matter what's going on around you, I'm going to supernaturally take care of you. And what we have to recognize, if God can do that with groceries, he can do it with everything. Right. There is not one thing that you're in need of right now that God's not looking at you saying, son, daughter, I can move for you in that. That's, that's some fun preaching right there. I pat myself on the back. Yes, sir. I can't tell you the countless times we would sit down and open up our Bible and there would be money in our Bible. We would have $50 bills, $100 bills, multiplied $20, just open up the Bible and there it was. And we told somebody that, and they said, well, you know somebody's putting it in there. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> I, said, I don't care. I said, well, you act like it was an angel. I don't care. I don't care if God sent an angel. I don't care if he sent a man or a woman. I do not care if God sent Jesus down from the throne to put money in my Bible because when we needed it, it was always there. Countless times we would, we would sit down at church, open up our Bible to the place where the pastor wanted us to go. And we would open up that Bible and there would be money sitting right there in that spot. And somebody said, well, why would God do that? Because we believed him for it. We were believing him for it. The same way, see, I learned early on, we weren't sick. We were healthy. We were, we were doing what God called us to do. So we didn't need miracles in our body, but we did have to believe for food and for clothes and for those kinds of things. And so we realized that God was building our faith through provision. And so he built our faith through provision. And then God would send us to crazy places and crazy stuff would happen. I remember one night in the middle of the night, I get a call from this lady who used to come to one of our meetings. We had a Friday night miracle crusade in Westport, Indiana every month for years. And uh, the lady's name was Bernadine. And in the middle of the night, Bernadine calls me and she starts yelling, Brother Benny, my cows are loose. It's three o'clock in the morning. I don't know anything about cows. You know, and I said, excuse me? You know, we'd have caller ID, cell phones, not like this. It was the old landline. All I hear is some, I have no idea who it is. This woman screaming, bro, Benny, my cows are loose. I covered the phone, told my wife, I said, some screws are loose too. <laughs> but uh, I know who it was, you know. I said, ma'am, I said, who is this? And she said, it's Bernadine. I said, oh, Bernadine. I said, what's going on? She said, we had storms come through here and my cows are loose. She said, I've got to get the cows loaded up. We've got to take them to market. If anybody, and she explained, you know, all in a few minutes, explained that if something hits them or what all that, she's liable and all this kinds of stuff. And she said, will you pray that all my cows get put back up? And I said, yes, ma'am. So we, again, in the middle of the night, we're praying for Bernadine's cows. 
Uh, she didn't talk to me again until the next time I was with her in service. I go into service with her, and she comes to me, and she said, Brother Benny, every one of my cows came home. Everyone, they just wandered back home. Said we got them loaded up and took them to market, and she handed me a check. Now, we're talking, this is the early, this is the early 90s. You know, my wife and I, I think we just had one baby at the time, so it must have been 94, maybe 95. And um, we, uh, she hands me a check for $500 and just said, thank you for praying. Now, that could have been a million dollars that night because we were praying and believing God for a miracle. We went through and uh, uh, countless times, I could, I could tell you stories like this all night about how God supernaturally provided for us. Now, those were in the times where we needed money. We needed it. Have you ever needed anything? And then God just showed up. I remember we had this lady. She came to us, and um, uh, she, she handed my wife a card. Just handed her a card and said, this is for you, for you guys. Hands it to my wife. My wife puts it on the desk of the church. We're not pastoring. Again, we're living by faith. We're, we're going to the church and doing things. We, when, we, when we started living by faith, we was evangelizing, but not like I am today. I just had a few meetings, but I would go volunteer at the church. I would, all my time I spent at the church, so we, we just spent all of our time at the church, so we would either pray, we'd work in the school or the daycare, but we didn't get paid anything. And so either, even though we would put in sometimes 40 and 80 hours a week, but before long we actually took a position at the church, a volunteer position, but it came with responsibilities, and we were putting in 80 hours a week as volunteers. And we did, we did that for the kingdom of God. Here we are, we're working every day, but we're believing for rent. We're believing for things. And we weren't living in a cheap apartment. We had a little house. We had all of these bills. We had all this going on. And we're believing God for, for, the, for the supernatural wealth. We had started pastoring our first church. So we were receiving a little bit of funds every, every week from, our, from the church we were pastoring. And it, it wasn't very much. But this lady hands us a card again. This is like 96, 97. Tells my wife, this is for you guys. We love you. Thanks so much. And she forgot about it. So the next day, I go to the church, and she calls me. And she said, honey, you need to check that, uh, check that card. She, she gave that to us. She need to make sure to thank Barb for it. It was just, you know, it was just real precious. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. I open up the card, and it says, thank you. I made a vow to you two years ago. And Lord gave me the money to fulfill that vow, and here it is. It's a check for $2,000. This is like 90, 97, 98, you know. Again, we're, we're just pastoring our first church. We're... We're driving on a broke-down car. This is a million dollars to us. You know, this is going to sustain us for months. It's hard to believe that a couple thousand dollars would sustain us for months. We believe for more than that every week now just to run our ministry, just do what we call to do. Um, we're getting ready to go to, I'm getting ready to go next week. I'm, I'll go to Virginia from Virginia. I'll go up to New York. My hotel bills last year just from New York. I was up there, I think, four weeks in that area. And while I was up there, my hotel bills were over $3,000. See, what God was doing, he was saying, son, if I can supply this for you, I can supply this for you. I can't wait to see what God has to be to believe for next. The things he's got me believing for right now, I can't wait to see it. But again, it all, it all started with God's, God putting it in my heart. Believe me for this. What do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God to do in your life? Maybe you need a healing. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you need a financial breakthrough. What do you believe in God for? And, and again, Jesus just, this wasn't a need. This was a desire. There was something. Jesus' first miracle was an attack on lack. So, so uh, uh, as I thought and I prayed about this, 
and I thought about, the Lord kind of took me to a, a few scriptures I'll just share with you just real quick. Proverbs 22 and 9. You can write this down. You don't have to turn there. Uh, if you want to, you can, but I'm going to move kind of quick. But 22, 9, it says, A generous man will be blessed, for he saves for uh, he shares with the poor. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not forget to do good and to share with others. This pleases God. So when you, have, when you are blessed with enough to share with others, you're pleasing to God. The Bible says, And when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will come at peace with him. So everything I shared with you, or, or the supernatural things, those were needs. I needed God to move for me. They were based, They were need-based. And what God will do is early in our lives, early in our ministry, early in our faith walk, he'll really walk with you with needs. He'll make sure your needs are taken care of. He'll do it supernaturally, do it in crazy ways, just like he did for us. Now, again, you might not have had the uh, level of supernatural things happening over and over and over again, but your lifestyle did not demand it. Uh, maybe you did, you know, but I don't know. But in those days, it was just awesome because we really couldn't, it was unbelievable what God would do next. But there came a day when God like turned the page on needs and our needs had been taken care of. We started making salaries and we started getting benefits and all these other things were happening. So it's like a door was closed on the need and it came into the want. God started doing things for us, not because we needed it, because he saw a desire in our heart to do it. Uh, and, and then really, that's when the real blessing of God started pouring into our lives. And so I, just for a moment, I want to talk to you about those things uh, because um, they're so supernatural, they're, they're almost mind-boggling. Uh, the other day, uh, the other day, everything's the other day to me. So um, I guess about a year ago, we were up in northwest Arkansas in a Walmart. And some lady, Sister Karen, on the other end of Walmart, starts screaming my name at the other side of Walmart once again. <laughs> I'm like looking around, you know, is there, is this, Prophet Betty, screaming the top of her lungs, Prophet Betty, Prophet Betty, Prophet Betty. And she's running through Walmart. I'm serious. She, she was there. She can testify. And uh, my wife goes, who is that? <laughs> I don't know, you know. She'd been in one of my meetings somewhere. And Miss Brianne, I'm telling you, she runs up and she has a handful of money. She crams it in my hand and runs off. I have never seen her again. Never laid eyes on her again. Somebody said, why would, why would, why would somebody do that? God was showing me at Walmart in northwest Arkansas that I am your provider. I'm going to bless you. I'm not just going to bless you. We didn't, I don't know, I don't know how much money it was. It was quite a bit of money, but I don't know how much it was. But we didn't need it. It was God showing up saying, I don't just take care of your needs, take care of your wants too. I was, maybe I've shared this with you before, but I need to share this with you again. We were in Chesterfield, Virginia last year. We're sitting at the table with the pastor. We are just sitting there and this man walks up to our table and said, these are his words, okay? He says, Who's the prophet? And the pastor looks at me, introduces himself, and said, this is Benny Baker. He's our guest this week, and just uh, he's here preaching. And he looks at me, and he says, God won't let me leave here before I pay for your meal. And so uh, I said, well, thank you so much. And the pastor said, well, you know, man, I'm, I thank you so much. You're such a blessing, but I, I just paid for the meal. And he looked at me, and he pulls a $100 bill out of his wallet, Hands it to me and says, well, he won't let me leave before I bless you. He hands me a $100 bill, a table full of people. Hands me a $100 bill, and he walks away. Never seen him again. 
Somebody says, why would, why would that happen? It's supernatural provision. I, I'll just be honest. I did not need that $100. But something inside of that man said, God was telling him to do something in his obedience. I believe somewhere along the way, God unlocked a miracle for him. I don't know what it was. I mean, sometimes God let me see those things. But, but along the way, somewhere, God unlocked a miracle for him. So, so once again, I mean, I could, we, could talk, we could share these things all day. But then that moved over into my prophetic gifting, which is where I'm walking today. And so, so just for a couple minutes, I'll just share you a quick couple, couple testimonies that God's used me in in the past year where this has been a big deal. Um, and, and again, if I've shared it before, it's okay. Just bear with me. Your faith needs to hear what I'm about to share because there is something. When I sat here tonight, and I, I even asked the Lord, I, I have a mission tonight. I'm here for a reason. God, God designed this night. I sat there, and this is what the Lord told me. Pastor, he said, I'm going to stir up something tonight in the atmosphere because of your words. And that was, and, and, and so you understand the gifting. That's an unprovoked thought. And I don't know if you understand what that is. I've had many times in my life, God will speak to me through an unprovoked thought. It just comes in and then that I, if I ever question, is this God? Those I never question is that God. So I believe tonight God's stirring up supernatural provision. I believe God's stirring up supernatural blessing. But, but uh, there, there was this precious lady I was with in service in August of last year. And God gave me one simple word for her. The Lord told me to tell her, I'm saving your house. I am saving your house. And so um, I, I said, darling, I said, the Lord told me to tell you that God's saving your house. N not your household, your home, where you live, your dwelling place. Simple as that, and I walked away. I never met this girl before uh, after service. Uh, she went out with a big group of us to eat. She said, I went to the table. I sat the other. I never heard from her until December of last year. The young man we were talking about earlier, Bob, calls me. And uh, Bob's a tick guy, and, and uh, we do a lot of stuff together in the ministry. And he calls me and said, uh, Brother Benny, he said, did you minister to a lady over in Des Moines back in August? I said, yeah. He said, about a house. I said, yeah. I said, I remember. I said, I think her name's Christine. And he says, have you, has she talked to you? Have they gotten a hold of you? I said, no. I said, what's going on? He said, Brother Benny, what you don't know is their home was in foreclosure. They were losing their home. Now listen, listen to how God operates. She said that, she's told me the story now. I've talked with Christine. We've become friends. She's friends with me and my wife. And, and uh, her dad pastors a church in Wisconsin. I just came there from revival. Oh, my goodness, the power of God fell. She said, Brother Benny, I, hadn't, I didn't tell my mom and dad. Nobody knew. She said, uh, me and my husband were fighting this fight. She had been sick with cancer for almost two years. And in two years, she wasn't working. And her husband had missed lots of work. They started losing their house. They got behind on their house payments. They went into foreclosure, and uh, she said, we were losing our house. She said, I'm there in Des Moines. You shared that with me. Nobody knew. And she said, Brother Benny, you couldn't have talked to anybody except my husband or me, and we were the only two, and her husband wasn't there, and, of course, I'd never met him before. And she said, because nobody knew. In December, she said, I was sitting at my table, and there was a knock on my door. A man walked up to her door, knocked on the door, a man she has never met in her life, and said, Christine, you don't know me. I'm your neighbor. I live so many houses down. He said that this morning during my Bible study, the Lord told me to come to your house and help you. He said, it's, I know your mom and dad, Pastor, um, 
but what's going on with your house? And she said, I was real reluctant because I didn't know. And she said, well, you know, it's going into foreclosure. And he said, well, I knew you'd been sick. He said, the Lord told me I was to come help you. What would it take to get you out of foreclosure today? And I don't remember the number, but it was tens of thousands, $40,000, $50,000, Pastor. I, I don't remember. She told him the number. He pulled his checkbook out and wrote one check and got her completely back in the black with their home. Now, that's an awesome testimony. But they had $80,000 plus in medical bills they could not pay. He pulled out another checkbook and said, we would also like to help you with your medical bills. And said, what, uh, what can we do to help you? And she said, well, what do you mean? He says, what do you owe? And she said, it just so happened that I was praying over my bills, asking God to help me with my bills. And she said, I owe 80 plus thousand dollars. And he wrote one check. Listen, God wants to show you that he can work whatever situation you are in right now out. God is not in heaven looking at your debt, looking at your house, looking at your car, saying, I can't help you out of that. To the contrary, he's looking, saying, son, daughter, if you will believe me for this, I can move mountains on your behalf. So today, they are, back, they are in their home. They are working on being debt-free. And when I was there in, uh, in March, she owed another $13,000 in medical bills. You know, this is... You're not going to believe this, but you will. I know who I'm talking to. I know you guys believe the supernatural, okay? But normal folks don't believe this stuff, so y'all special folks. <laughs> Crazy folk like me, you know. Uh, I better not say what I was about to say, so I'll just leave it alone. So uh, I said, uh, uh, I'm standing there, and Christine comes up to me. I'm there preaching, and she said, Brother Benny, you're not going to believe what just happened. I said, what happened? She said, I have another $13,000 in medical bills that have come due. And that man showed up at my door with a check for $13,000. Now listen, that's the kind of God we serve. And that, should, that is not abnormal. Pastor Judah can attest to this. We see this all the time. In our travels and ministry, we see these things all the time. And uh, some, you know, sometimes I share them, sometimes I don't. The, the last testimony like that that I want to share with you just real quick <clears throat> happened in northwest Arkansas. Once again, unbelievable testimony through a word of knowledge. The pastor, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, tell them that I have shaken loose $30,000 in their favor. And so I said, the Lord said that he has shaken loose $30,000 in your favor. And the pastor said, we were believing for $30,000 for our gym. And they were buying a gymnasium. And, and they said, and then a man came along and wrote us a check for $30,000 and we, we paid for the gymnasium. And so, so that's right. And I said, well, the Lord just told me to tell you. And I'm going to give you a round number because this, was, this, was, this just happened. Pastor Judah, was it last month that they, they, that they called us and said it was all done? This was two years in the making. They, I, I gave them a number. I said, the Lord said that he is shaking loose another $300,000 in your favor. It was two hundred and ninety-seven, dollars or in some change. It was a weird number. I said, the Lord's shaking this loose in your favor. And I said, does that mean anything to you? And the pastor said, nope. <laughs> that mean a thing to me. And I said, well, I said, well, God knew about the 30000 so this must mean something. Just sit on it for a minute. Let's see what God does. So they call me. Uh, no, they tell my wife about, what, six months later. So they, the church has a piece of property back behind the church. 
that it's, it's, there's no access to it, it's wooded, can't do anything with it. An investor wants to build an apartment complex on that piece of land. And he comes in and he wants to purchase it. Guess what he wants to purchase it at? He wants to purchase it at $250,000. But the thing is, the Lord didn't give him $250,000. The Lord gave him $297,000 and some change. So they denied the first offer and came back and said, this is what the Lord says we're to get for this property, so this is what we'll take. And the guy signed it. The guy signed it. So this went on. Now, this is awesome. This went on for two years. The city fought them. The city fought them. The city wouldn't give them the easements, wouldn't open up the neighborhoods, wouldn't let them put the roads through. It was chaos for two years. I am in my garage. I'm in my barn. Uh, I think I'm feeding the chickens, and all of a sudden I hear, uh, it's just been announced that Rogers is adding a new uh, apartment complex in the neighborhood by New Hope Road. And Well, it just so happens that's the apartment. It all went through that day. They called me into their office and wanted to let me know that God had blessed him, and this is what happened, and gave us a check for $1,000. So I, I said all of that to say, see, it doesn't matter how God gets it to you. It doesn't matter the vehicle that he uses. God, will, God can use prophetic words. I mean, you know you believe in prophetic words. Many of you in here uh, have had prophetic words, whether by me or by pastor or somebody else that has stirred your spirit. But, but what I'm trying to say is, is there, there is anointing for blessing that is on this house. And those of you that are connected to this house, you qualify for that. Now, this is very, what I, what I want to share with you next is of the utmost importance. All throughout the Bible, we have supernatural provision. We have the widow. Uh, Elijah goes to the widow and asks, say, will you, will you make me a cake and give me some water? And then he, she, and their whole family ate afterwards, right? There was another time where the prophet gave supernatural instructions. said, I want you to go and take all these empty vessels and pour until, and the Bible says, then take it and sell your debt, pay off your debt, and then live on the rest. Supernatural provision all throughout the word. The Bible said they needed to pay taxes one day. Jesus could have taken finances from the treasury, but he told Peter to go catch a fish. They opened up the fish, and guess what? There's the money for the taxes. There's another time when they're out in the middle of nowhere. There's nowhere to buy bread. Again, they could have bought bread because they suggested, shall we go to town and buy the bread? But once again, Jesus, being a God of more than enough, looked and said, well, no, what do you have? Well, we have some loaves and fishes. Jesus multiplies loaves and fishes. And all of a sudden, a miracle takes place that we're still talking about. I mean, this goes on and on and on through the Word. I think God's trying to tell us we need to believe for more than enough just to pay our bills, to have a little money to go out and eat from time to time, and start believing for the excess necessary for this house to do what it's called to do, for the kingdom to do what it's called to do. And as I meditated on that and I thought about that and I prayed on that, I thought about revival. And I thought about how generosity and revival walk hand in hand. And how many times I've seen generosity and revival flow together. I absolutely believe you cannot have revival without generosity. You can't do it. And I've seen it at play. And what I'm about to share with you, I, I, hope you, I hope you understand my heart. Because I've been involved in revival throughout my whole life. I know when revival shows up. Uh, I, was in a, I was in a city, I was sharing with a pastor here two weeks ago. And while I, I was there two months ago, they invited me to come back. We had an awesome move of God. They invited me to come back. 
and uh, I was there for two nights this last time. The first night, these young ladies come in from a transitional housing situation. They were all hooked on drugs. They were either recovered or recovering. They got really touched by the power of God. That night after the service, I told the pastor, I said, Pastor, I said, I have an anointing for these situations. I said, there's a lady up in one of the churches we minister out the last time that we had something like this happen. She got fired up and she brought 40 people to the meeting that got touched and ministered to by the power of God. And I said, there's an anointing here, so I believe we're going to see something big tomorrow night. So this was last week, so uh, Saturday night comes, and uh, sure enough, these, what, four girls brought another row of people. And so here they are sitting there, and man, they're, Stephen, they're shucking it in, man. They're like, whoa, praise God, I've not heard this before, and I can believe God for that, and I need a miracle, and, and we had a salvation call. Every one of them came up for salvation. Every one of them came up for salvation and rededication. And then they go back to their seats. I mean, this was their testimony. They had never fallen out under the power of God before. Never even seen it. But boom, boom, boom. They just start falling out of the power of the Holy Ghost. While, I'm, while, while we're done, I'm trying to turn the service off. And you, you understand, you know, it was, it was late. You know, we were just trying to transition and couldn't transition. We couldn't get out of this glory mode. I mean, we just couldn't. So I just kind of quit trying and thought, all right, God, we're just going to see what you want to do. So here we are. We're moving. And all of a sudden, I felt this pain in my stomach. And I said, there is somebody with a bowel obstruction. I said, I know this. Maybe you feel embarrassed, whatever your situation is. But, but if you'll come forward today, Jesus is going to heal you. This little girl gets up. And she's with that group. And she comes to me, tears streaming down her face. She said, Brother Biddy, I've been sick for two weeks constant pain and went through and the drugs had messed her all up so she's doubled over in pain and all of a sudden the power of god hits her and she hits the ground and she lays there still now this girl was getting delivered okay so some of you understand the process all right so you can imagine everything that was going on in this moment all of a sudden pastor just like that this little girl gets free free by the power of the holy ghost her countenance shifts the pain leaves her she gets up and she's weeping at this point. And she's crying out, I'm not in pain. I mean, she's blown away. Never been touched. See, that's, that's why we got to get the lost in the house of God. We get the lost in here, we're going to see miracles like we've never seen before. Right, right. This little girl is completely healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. And she comes up to me and she looks at me and she goes, can I hug you? <laughs> I mean, she's this tall, you know. I don't think she why are you laughing? <laughs> and I, uh, she's just, just weeping. I mean, weeping under the power of the Holy Ghost. And um, after the service was over, they, and, and again, very much like you do, they have a receiving box over, uh, over in the back of the church. That's how they receive their offerings. And um, I mean, we go different places. You know, people pass the plates, all these different things. There was not a mention of an offering. Pastor Scott, not a word. Just like, just, you know, just like it's your custom. Just say, that, make sure, you know, the, the box is over there for your tithe and your offering. If you have something for Brother Benny, leave it over there. Now, the offering that night, they didn't say tithes or anything because they weren't receiving tithes. They were just receiving offering. People had gone back and given it the box, but all of a sudden, unprovoked, Pastor Scott, people ran up and started putting money in my hand. Unprovoked. So, you know, so Brother Benny, what are you saying? Now, it has nothing to do with the process. 
It didn't matter if they threw it at your feet. It doesn't matter if they threw it on the altar. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter if they started giving it to each other. The thing was, there was a spirit of revival that hit. And with that spirit of revival came a spirit of generosity. In order to fund a revival, you've got to have generosity. In order, to, in, in order to make the meeting work and pay the light bills and, and uh, be, be a blessing to the, the, the guest speaker and all the things that go with that, there, there is a budget that's involved. You know, I, I know, man, I love coming for the Pentecost conference. Love it. But it's not cheap, is it? It costs something. Costs something. Worth it, but it costs something. See, when there's a spirit of generosity, now, the thing, we like to think in, as in America, we are just ingrained with this overwhelming, indignant generosity because we give to everybody. But what I've learned is generosity goes against your flesh because the Holy Spirit will say, do something, and then we will withdraw. Now, I, I, I'm, not, I'm just, just going to talk to you for a moment, okay? But uh, it might be really easy for you to give a dollar. When God tells you to give $100 or $1,000 or $10,000, then you start learning, man, I'm really being stretched. I remember the Lord told my wife and I one time to give a hard offering. We went and borrowed it from the bank to give it. We didn't have credit card giving back then. We went and borrowed it because we so believed God had told us, and right or wrong, God honored our heart. And I'm not saying that people should do that. I'm just saying we so believed, and it was so hard, so difficult for us. Many times we had God bless us with $100, and we would just turn around and give it, or $500. We, we had a lady one time walk up to us and hand us a check for $7,000, and we immediately gave it back to the kingdom of God. Immediately. Didn't even hit our hands. And literally, we took it and signed the back of it, and gave it, sold it right back to the kingdom of God. Because we understand generosity is a flow. Once you start doing it, everybody around you starts doing it. And, and then it's a flow. And then all of a sudden, like in the book of Acts, the Bible says they were literally going out and they were selling their lands and their possessions and bringing the finances and laying them at the disciples' feet and they were distributed amongst the people so that there wouldn't be any poor amongst them. Now, I, I know that kind of utopia sounds ridiculous, but I believe we could get to a place where we could so hear from the power of God, so hear from the Holy Spirit that we could walk in such blessing that God would just begin to bless all of us corporately in such a way that there was just a flow that's why you'll see churches that have banks and have uh, food pantries and and shelters and all these kinds of things with excess and overflow from the blessings of God just real quick Ruth Ward Heflin I preached at Calvary campground a few years ago Ruth Ward Heflin was a man an apostle of the glory but they have an awesome campground, Pastor Scott, where their vision was to take pastors and ministers and bring them in. And for six or eight weeks during the summertime, they bring them in, they house them, they feed them, they take care of them, and don't charge a dime. And that was their vision. And when they first started doing those camps, Ruth would stand in empty cupboards seven days away from people arriving. And start saying, God, you know we have people coming. We need you to fill the cupboards. 
and day in and day out looking at empty cupboards. And pastor, I'm telling you, not a day, not 24 hours before the people would arrive, a truck would show up with a load of groceries and fill the pantry so they could take care of the people. Today, Jane Loudon takes care of Calvary Campground. The Heflins have, I think there's one or two of the Heflins that are around, but the ones that were preachers have long gone to be with Jesus. But the dream and the vision is still alive. To run Calvary Campground, their budget is $120,000 a month. A month. It's unbelievable, the property, the buildings that they have. The, uh, when we go and stay uh, and we're preaching in that area, they give me a room that I can come and I can sleep in. We, they, we don't let them feed us or anything, but they'll feed us, take care of us, whatever, just if we're in the area, just so they can be a blessing. That's a blessing to the kingdom of God. Now, all the blessing that I talked about that we've experienced, uh, all, the, all the good things, uh, the Bible says that, the Bible says that, um, Where's my scripture at? Uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, 21, it says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Proverbs 10, 22, says, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sor sorrow. Deuteronomy 28, 2, says, The blessings of the Lord will overtake you. All of these scriptures that I just read, all these stories that I just talked about, um, applies to you. You can say, the Lord, you did it for Brother Benny. I'm believing for it for me. It might, maybe it won't happen as much or in the, the, the capacity or whatever the circumstance may be, but it'll happen where you are. That being said, the first step that you have to do in order to, the only word I know how to make, the only word I know how to communicate, to qualify for all of these blessings. Remember, the Bible said Moses stood before the people and says, I offer a blessing and a curse. Choose you today. And so the people had the opportunity to have a blessing or a cursing. But the only way I, word I know how to use to qualify for all these things in, my, in your life begins first with tithing. That's such a simple thing. We, uh, we have our tithe deducted every, every week automatically from my from my pay so i and i don't even not that we can't it's just easier for me that way and so they just take my tithe right off the top um we write a we write a a, a tie check from our ministry so if we have uh if we make a thousand dollars a hundred dollars from our ministry not us we've already tithed off of our income from our ministry goes to help other ministries I was telling pastor, one of our visions is we like to help young ministries. We like to help hurting pastors. Many times God's had me go into a church on a Sunday morning and we don't even receive an offering for our own ministry. We, we receive an offering and we give out of our ministry to be a blessing to the pastor. Just so we can help a hurting pastor. Those are the kinds of things that we do. But our tithe out of our ministry comes off the, the absolute top. What, what we have is we have a separate account and when there is a deposit made, 10% of that deposit automatically goes into our tithing account. That's not our giving, just our tithing so that we can be a blessing. We recognize the importance of tithing. I have been a constant, nonstop tither for, oh my goodness, my wife and I have been married 25 years uh, since I was 18 years old. So I guess 27 years, 10% of everything we've made goes right into a tithe right in, not our giving that's not our giving 
our, our, our giving is completely separate from our tithing. We tithe first because the tithe makes everything else holy. And this is very important. The reason I have my tithe taken out before I ever touch it, because I believe, my personal conviction, that it's not a tithe unless it's given first. Because it is an absolute sacrifice. We don't pay a bill until we've tithed. Cable bill don't get paid. We don't put gas in the car. We don't go out to lunch. We don't do any of that. That tithe's paid first. And we don't borrow from the tithe. We don't look at the tithe and say, well, I'll pay it next week. We don't play with that. Because I don't ever want to take the chance for one second being out from under that covering called blessing. Now, do you know why people walked up to me in uh, Chesterfield, Virginia that don't know me and put money in my hand? Because I am under the blessing. You know why people ran to my house and, and put groceries? I didn't have the money to tithe, but I was tithed in any way. It's because I was under the covering of the blessing. You know why whenever I, we go to churches, people don't understand how we get blessed the way we do? I, I hear it all the time. You know, Pastor Benny, we don't have a lot of people. We don't know what people will do. I don't care. I don't care because God's going to take care of me. He's going to bless me. I am... Um, just, just, I'm, y'all, you enjoying this? You got just a couple minutes. I'm almost done. I, I really am. And, I, and we're going to pray and I'm going to release something tonight. Uh, I believe we've stirred an atmosphere of faith. I, I, I really do. We've, uh, again, you know, uh, it, it is the same faith that'll get people up out of a wheelchair that'll get you blessed. And God wants both. He wants both. Now, this is very important. We can't preach it out of balance, we can't just be all blessing. Okay, we have to walk in holiness and live in holiness and we we need to believe for miracles and healings and signs and wonders and I mean we but God is not just salvation. He is not just healing and he is not just blessing, but he is all those things. And so what I've learned is, is it has become so a part of me that I'm such a natural giver. My wife and I will go into restaurants. We were in a restaurant here not long ago at Perkins. Y'all have Perkins? You know, it is like IHOP or Denny's. It's about the same thing, you know. We're sitting there, and my wife looks over, and there's this couple that, she goes, that, that couple reminds me of my grandparents. She says, I'm going to buy their meal today. And so she went and got their waitress and brought them over and said, I'd like, to, I'd like to purchase their meal, and gave them money and left a good tip for the waitress and said, listen, we, we want to be incognito about this, but would you just tell them that, that we love them and Jesus loves them and has an awesome plan for their life? And she wrote it like on the back of the receipt. They took that receipt over there, and that little couple got so excited. Man, it was just awesome to watch it. That, that didn't cost us $20. But man, was it a blessing. See, it's, it's a flow. I can't tell you the times, I, I, I could, that I've gone to restaurants and people have done that to us, or we have gone to the gas station and somebody has purchased our gasoline. We're standing there and we, we go in to pay for our gasoline and somebody's saying, somebody's already taking care of that for you. All the time. You know why? We live under that covenant called blessing. Because I'm a tither and I'm a giver. And can I tell you what I do when my pastor, I bet you do this too, but anytime things don't look right financially, I look at my finances and I say, God, I am a tither and I am a giver. This can't happen to me. Because I stand before the Lord in right standing. Saying, I've done everything your word has taught me to do. So I'm going to be blessed. So if my car breaks down, I'm going to get it fixed. It's going to be taken care of, and I'm going to be blessed. 
if, um, uh, if, uh, if, if, I, if I've got a problem in my home or with my children or whatever. Uh, real quick, I, I'm having fun, okay? So you just have to, to bear with me. But maybe you don't know, but back in, back in the spring, my daughter totaled her car. Miracle that she's alive. Miracle. The, 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 the car's demolished. So she hasn't had a car. Now, we, I helped her get two cars in six months. And so I told her for this next one, she was on her own. You know? And uh, I helped her with the situation, but um, she, uh, she went to work for me this summer. Uh, I needed the help, so we, I just paid her to work for me and paid her a good salary, and she took care of stuff for me through the summertime and, and saved and bought a car. She did not get the car home before the, the head gasket blew in the car, and the car was undrivable. I was out of town, and I had talked to the guy on the phone, and we, we were referred to this guy. The guy was a good guy. We didn't buy it from an individual. But we bought it from a, from a business. And, and so I called and said, uh, you know, this is what happened. He wouldn't work with us. Wouldn't work with us at all. So Reggie had just lost all the money that she had just saved. It's time for school. She don't have money to get, get money. She don't have time. Uh, so Benjamin's carpooling her, and we're carpooling her, and we live 40 minutes from their school. So it's a real inconvenience most of the time, really difficult. So we are sitting at lunch, and another minister says, has Reggie got her car fixed yet? And, and I told him the story. Somebody on the other side of the table says, that happened to Reggie? I said, yeah. And he looks at me and says, uh, I have $500 here that I want to give Reggie for her car. Just, just like that. Not asked for, not provoked. We were just in conversation. Happens all the time. See, we live under a covenant called blessing. So just remember this. When God tells you to do the hard things, do the hard things. That people, ministers will come to me all the time and say, Brother Benny, what, do, uh, what advice would you give me? And I always say, give. Give, 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 give. As a pastor, many times we emptied the church accounts to be a blessing to other ministers. People lose their minds. I can't believe you just did that. And I said, I can't believe you wouldn't want me to. <laughs> because we're going to be blessed because we just did this. I know it don't look like it right now. Well, how are we going to pay this? I said, I cannot get up there and tell people about the blessings of God if I don't live by it myself. I can't tell you the times we've been at conferences and camp meetings. And the Lord spoke to my heart and we have emptied our business accounts our ministry accounts and our personal accounts, our savings accounts, personal accounts, uh, regular checking and savings accounts so we can be a blessing in the kingdom of God because we believe in that. We believe in that. And so Bible says in Luke 6, 38, it says, given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over with good measure. With the same measure that you give, so shall it be given back to you. So if you give sparingly, you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly, right? Um, I'm going to put that in just plain vernacular. If you give dollars, you'll reap dollars. If you give hundreds, you'll reap in hundreds. If you give thousands, you'll reap in thousands. The same measure that you give, so shall it be measured back to you. Simple as that. Consistency is the key. We have tithed so long. I would be afraid not to tithe, honestly. I, there, there's a fear of God on me when it comes to tithing. Because I could not imagine living a life where I did not tithe. 
But if, uh, Pastor, if we just put on some music, otherwise I will talk all night. <laughs> and uh, so I need to put on something. Just for a minute, I'm going to share this last story with you. And then I think this will wrap everything up. So, so once again, my wife and I, we have been tithers. Our whole, uh, our, I remember the first tithe I ever gave. I made $50. I was going to go on vacation with my mom. The place where she worked hired me to do odd jobs around the building. I made 50 bucks. I put my first $5 tithe in a little tithing envelope and went and gave it at my church. I thought I'd done something magnificent. Five bucks. Five bucks. Mind you, it was 1986, you know, but still, it was just five bucks. But I, had thought, I thought I'd done some grand thing. That was, a lot, that was a big chunk out of that. You will never tithe on a million if you won't tithe on a hundred. So God's saying, if you can trust you with the little things, I'll make you ruler over the big things, right? So His Word tells us. So if he can't trust you with the tithe on a hundred, he will never trust you on a tithe on a thousand or ten thousand or more. And in order to do what God's called us in the kingdom, we need multiplied millions of dollars to do what we need to do. A missionary that we know right now, a ministry that they house in a third world country to do what they do, Miss Brianna, it costs over $200,000 a month for them. A month. That's a couple million dollars a year to do what they do for the kingdom of God. We, the, the church needs to walk at a level of blessing that makes the world look pitiful. God never intended for the Beyonce's and the Jay-Z's and the, the athletes. He didn't want the wealth there. He wants it in, the, in, God's, in God's people. But we've, been, we've convinced ourselves for years that we weren't supposed to be, we weren't supposed to be blessed. You should not be blessed so you can run and say, I'm blessed. So that it becomes an ego thing or pride gets involved. And I know we always, I'll just be honest with you, when it comes to money, we always got to watch that pride. And if we can't stay humble with it, I don't believe God can trust us with it. If we can stay humble and believe for the blessings of God, we can do what God's called us to do for the kingdom of God. I am. Um, it was the winter of, had to have been 98. Man, we had been, we'd been struggling for, for two months. Um, so it's first of the year. We don't do meetings, evangelistic services the first of the year there in the Midwest. We might do something for New Year's, but many times we've gotten snowed out. You know, y'all get ice sometimes for New Year's, won't you? you know? Man, if you think you get ice, we'll, we'll get two, three feet of snow. My birthday's December 9th. One year on December the 9th, we got so much snow, it shut our city down. We could not get a snow plow in front of our house until midnight. And I think we had three feet of snow in our driveway. First, first big snowfall of the year. And that sticks around for a long time. You know? Did you say that was awesome? Not until you've lived in it. It's awesome the first five minutes it falls. After that, it's not awesome anymore. 20 below, your hands hurt, your feet hurt, your ears hurt, your snot freezes. <laughs> People in ditches. <laughs> um, but so, so we wouldn't do a lot, but we had, we had, in fact, we had Walt Mills. We had Paul's dad at our church. This is my, we weren't pastoring, we were associate pastors. We were pastoring in Oxford, our first church. And, and he was receiving the offering. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give him $200. We didn't have $20. We didn't have any money. You know, we were broke. 
The Lord spoke to my heart and said, said, give him $200. I said, Lord, I don't have it. And he says, go tell him you'll bring it by tomorrow night. And I'm like, God, I, I don't even know where I'm going to get that from. You know, at that time, I mean, our thinking was so different. And um, Lord said, just do what I told you to do. So I went, I said, Bro, Walt, I said, we don't have it. But I think we'll have it in our hands by tomorrow night. <laughs> so I can, I'm going to try and bring it to you. I had all kinds of faith, you know. I said, I'll try and get it to you tomorrow night. And he's like, oh, you know, that's okay. I appreciate that. And then I tell you what, the next day, somebody walked up to me and handed me $200. Man, just going to be real. We needed diapers. We needed milk. Formula. I mean, we needed the necessities. You know, we weren't, we weren't going down to Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, we needed, the, we needed the real stuff, you know. And I said, babe, I said, look, somebody gave us $200. And she said, isn't that accounted for? <laughs> I said, yeah, it is. I said, but, but here it is. We can look at it for the next couple hours, you know. Man, I remember I walked up there and I gave that $200. That was one of the hardest things I'd ever done at that point. I mean, and I know in the natural, everybody's like, well, that's just such a miracle because God told you and you did it and, and all this. And that's just so awesome. And, but when you're hungry, none of that matters. You know? And uh, so we gave that $200 that night. For the next two months, I was evangelizing a little bit here and there, still working at the local church. I would preach on, on the midweek and they would give me a love offering for preaching on the mid midweeks. For the next two months, every midweek service got canceled. We had several evangelistic meetings lined up, just monthly things that we've done. Uh, every one of those meetings got shut down. I said, Lord, not only did you take the last $200 I had, now you've shut down everything around us. Now, we had a fuel oil tank that was on the outside of our house. That sucker would freeze up and we would wake up in the middle of the night and, the, and, and have no heat. It's terrible, you know. And so here we are. We're broke. I don't know how we made it to this. We still had lights. We had gas in our car. We had food. I don't know how. To this day, I don't know how, but God. That's, that's it. I just simple as that. It was just God. And so at the end of that, it broke. I had a lady call me on the phone who knew our ministry and said, Brother Benny, I want to be a blessing to you guys. Would that be okay? I mean, thank God she, we didn't have FaceTime. You know, we just doing a call. Off. I like to be all spiritual. I was like, I knew it. I told you. <laughs> and she said, I want to send you an offering. She said, I can wire it to you. Y'all remember wire transfers? She knows like 50 bucks. I said, no. I said, don't waste $50. I said, drop it in the mail, drop it in the mail. And she said, would you like to help me know how much it is? And I'm like, do you want to tell me? <laughs> and she said, Rabini, I would like to send you $1,000. I just, I lost it. I'm crying, she's crying. You know, it just, it just, and just, to, that, that, maybe that don't sound like a lot for two months, but we were living on $100, $120 a week. You know, uh, it was, it, you know, that's a lot of money. But, but over a, a span of time, you know, it, it goes quick and show up. But, man, we're rejoicing. And that, somebody had given us a car during that time. And then a few weeks later, somebody calls us. And same lady, she said, Brother Benny, we're getting ready to pay our taxes. And, and uh, it looks like we can give away some money. And we would like you to be the recipient. And I said, I would like to be the recipient. 
It was the same lady, and she said, we'd like to send you another $1,000. And so uh, then somebody sends us $500. And we ended up in those next two months, we had more money come in in those two months than we'd had in like in a year. And from everywhere, crazy things were happening. And uh, the, the, I remember I was sitting and I just started praising God. I said, God, I said, you really turned this around for us. And the Lord speaks to me in that moment and said, Son, would you like to know why I did that? I said, Yes, I really would. And he said, Do you remember that $200? Huh. He said, That one offering set all this into motion. Now, maybe some folks don't understand that. And I'm, not, I'm not receiving an offering tonight. That's not what this is about. I'm, I just want to share with you supernatural increase, supernatural blessing. That if God can do it for me, God can do it for every one of you. There are some of you under the sound of my voice right now, you're believing for some big things. Maybe you got some big bills in front of you. Big things. Benjamin received a full-ride scholarship to the University of Northern Iowa. When he came to a music program, that, that's a prestigious school for music. Uh, his professors where he is now, they all went to you and I. So he, come, he moves with us to Arkansas to pay for college on his own. Uh, at the end of the school year last year, he's had a really hard time with, with some of the stuff. His mom and dad help him. You know, we work it out. And God's good to us and God's faithful. And, and uh, he's had a couple times where some paperwork was messed up and they wouldn't let him start school because of, of a paper, paperwork error. And uh, had nothing to do with him. He did everything he was supposed to do. And so we'd have to come up with $2,000 just that, that day. And, and God always worked it out. But this year, somebody walked up to Ben and said, Ben, we, we want to privately fund your education. So they're privately funding all of his education. And then when he goes into his master's program, they're going to fund that as well. Not even at the same school. It's just a, just a part of the program. And that's, God is so faithful. So faithful. At the same time, somebody gave him a $10,000 standing contrabass. He'd been believing one for years. He's played it since eighth grade, never owned his own. When he came here, he had to borrow one from the school again. And somebody walks up to him, and actually they told me, they said, I think we'd like to give Ben this contrabass. I said, would that be okay with you? I said, oh, Ben, that'd be such an answer to prayer. So I share all this with you tonight to build your faith, to let you know God did it for me. God can do it for you if you stand to your feet. Stand to your feet, and I, I, I want to pray this. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much, Lord. Lord, as I have been faithful to share what you told me to share tonight. Lord Jesus, right now I, I release the spirit of giving. I release. Could you come? Would that be okay? Or was you doing something else? If you were just coming to be up here, come on. I, I'm sorry. Lord, I just thank you right now for manifested, multiplied miracles in this house, God. God, I thank you for debt cancellation. I thank you for increasing jobs. I thank you for whatever they're believing for, Lord Jesus. I thank you for, for student loan debt canceled, God. I thank you for, for people that were behind on their home, their houses, God. I thank you for for uh, bringing blessing into their lives and then being caught up in a hip. I thank you for supernatural provision, debt-free anointing on this house, Lord. Lord, you have done so many supernatural things for these people. Lord, I ask tonight that you would just allow prosperity and blessing and heavenly riches just to flow in this house. 
Lord, we thank you for it now. We give you the glory and we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. You know, death's a curse. Death's a curse. It's, it's a bondage. God wants you to be debt free. Just start believing for it. Start believing for God to give you a business plan, an idea. Maybe he'll give you another flow of income into your life. Um, start believing for it. But make sure, make sure you're a tither and then a giver in the kingdom of God. Be obedient. If God challenges you to do something for your pastor, for the church, do it. My uh, Years ago, in the middle of all these things, man, we were able to sow some radical seeds. The Lord spoke to our hearts. We, we had uh, $3,000 come into our hands. Man, we took that $3,000. I took it over to my pastor's house. I knocked on the door. My pastor came to the door. My wife and I, we just stood there, and we, 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 didn't, we didn't even know we were just kids. We didn't know. We, uh, we handed it to him, just cash money, and said, just want to be a blessing to you. He walked away. You know, was it a sacrifice? Oh, my goodness, yes. But was it worth it? Yes. Because we knew that God had put good seed God has a good harvest for us. So a couple things I want to encourage you on. Maybe, maybe you're at the sound of my voice and you lived a giving lifestyle. And maybe it has just felt like maybe you hadn't had the harvest that you prayed for. God can just be patient. Be patient. Keep giving. Giving is a flow. It's, it's like a current. And, and uh, just continue to do it. Just be obedient. If God tells you to do something hard, I'm not saying just jump out there and just do it right, but, but be obedient. God challenges you to do something that's difficult. Step out in faith. Um, you might have to talk to your pastor. I, we've had some radical things happen in our ministry where, where God's told people to do just radical things and uh, without going into details of those things. But God, God would challenge people to do radical things, and, and they did it, and it, it opened up opportunities. It's opened up crazy things. So, so when God tells you to do things, just step out in faith just allow God to move so this is what I would like to do tonight first of all um, if you have a, a, a personal business I would really like to pray for you first because I'd like God's uh, blessing just to fall on your personal business uh, let I, I'm gonna first of all we want to believe that we do not fall prey to the economy we don't fall prey to the economy uh, if, if they start talking about interest rates going up, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't participate in that. God will make a way. 